Hello and welcome to Zero Net 50. I'm Jennifer Deloney and with me is Joel Strandberg. How's it going, Joel? Pretty well, Jennifer. How are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing well, uh, but my thoughts, of course, over the last couple of days have been with the people in the Bahamas because we all watched as Category 5 Hurricane Dorian hammered the Bahamas and devastated the island. So it, it of course, also brought me back to two years ago where we stood by and watched in horror as Hurricane Maria, also Category 5, had a similarly devastating effect on Puerto Rico. So I think, you know, and I think the future is going to see a lot more Category 5s. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Puerto Rico hasn't even recovered from that damage yet, and it's been two years. So it's, you know, it's just really frightening. And, you know, I, I, of course, I'm doing fine, but I feel bad for, of course, all the people that are affected there. I, I, I yeah, I do as well. I, um, in, in a past life, I uh, provided legal services in a couple of uh, tornado disaster uh, areas. And uh, just just looking at what what hit the Bahamas, um, uh, I, I, it's hard to even imagine that. Uh, I mean, basically, the entire island was wiped out. Um, yeah. And exactly. uh, besides just the damage to property, uh, the emotional damage that is mm. done to people that lose things. You know, your heart has to go out to. Yep. Yep. You know, their their community and their culture is is affected that way but um you know and, and then it gets me thinking again about the bigger question about the effects of climate change you know rising waters and stronger storms that are coming more often and are putting islands around the world in crisis and this has been going on for years that we've recognized this and it feels like the issue despite being you know often in the news just doesn't get the kind of um you know, recourse that is due. And island nations are trying to raise the bar in their response to the threat, but their work, it seems like, is an uphill climb. And just, uh, you know, just to look closer at this, we're going to dedicate an upcoming issue of Zero Net 50 uh, to islands. But today I wanted to talk briefly on some of the recent action on island security and resilience and those specific obstacles they're facing because. The 50th Pacific Island Forum took place in Tuvalu in uh, mid-August, and the forum represents 18 island nations, which includes Australia and New Zealand. And there's, as part of that, a recognized smile, small island group under that forum that includes, for example, Tuvalu, uh, the Cook Islands, and Micronesia. And last year, as part of the forum, they... They recognize climate change as a serious threat to the region under what they called the Bow Declaration on Regional Security. That was a, a big step, but they wanted to go further this year. Um, so the smaller islands during the conference uh, agreed on what they called the Tuvalu Declaration, which takes the issue uh, you know, of island security up a notch by calling for countries to increase their emissions reduction targets as part of the Paris Agreement but also to phase out coal use. But as you can imagine, Australia wasn't going to get behind that declaration. And sure they made a, yeah, they made a fuss about it right there at the forum. So in a stark failure to support the region, Australia pushed for a 
a separate declaration, like a dissenting de declaration that has less stringent language on targets and coal use. And that move to dump down the language was considered uh, a move by Australia to protect its economy over the lives of people in the re region that it claims to be a part of. And as we know, Australia's coal industry is huge. Every state in the country mines it and about 75% of what is mined is exported. So, you know, obviously they are, you know, in a position where they they would have to really do a fancy two-step to overhaul their economy and phase out coal. So those dynamics of the Pacific Islands are really important to understand in the greater context of climate change around the world as developed nations protect themselves and their economies and smaller and less developed regions suffer the consequences. And we see that over and over again in, in different parts of the world. And we'll talk more about that situation in the upcoming podcast on islands that I mentioned. And specifically, we're gonna look at a movement by the group called Pacific Islands Students Fight Climate Change, which is seeking an advisory opinion on climate change and human rights from the International Court of Justice. And it's uh, some that's an a move that I'm really interested in chatting with you, Joel, about uh, and, and talking about what that advisory opinion might mean and what kind of power it could hold if it holds any. So our listeners can watch for that episode coming up. But right now, let's get into our Washington update. So what's on tap there? Well, Congress will be back uh, next week. They've been out on their uh, August break. And uh, it, 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 it's going to be... Um, I think a very dark session, if you want to know the truth, uh -huh. um, between the mass shootings and uh, the, the debate going on with gun laws, uh, the, the, the hurricane problem, mm -hmm. um, Trump's demeanor in all of this. Um, we're going we're gonna to see a lot of conflict uh, when, they, when they're back. The uh, Senate has uh, less than three weeks, actually, to pass an appropriations bill. Um, the House has done all 12 of their bills. The Senate waited until they heard from the White House as to what Trump would accept. Um, if they don't, if they don't get the appropriations bills done, they'll either have to do a continuing resolution uh, again, um, or they're going to have to close the government again. And it's unclear now, especially because of um, a number of things that Trump has done: his emergency declaration um, and the movement of $3.7 billion from uh, the Defense Department accounts to build the wall is actually going to cause um, certainly a fairly large debate. Um, members of both the House and the Senate, both sides of the aisle, um, are, are deeply opposed to the emergency declaration because um, what it does is it, it, it goes around Congress in a way that uh, really clouds the line between uh, the legislative and executive branches. Of government. Trump took the money from the Defense Department, and I think that they're expecting that that money will be put back in in this appropriations go-round. Mm -hmm. um, they, took, they took from a lot of the human, the, the human services of uh, the armed forces, uh, members of the armed forces and their families. For example, they're not going to be funding a number of schools um, on uh, base facilities. They're not mm -hmm going to be doing a medical um, clinic on at least two at least two facilities. Uh, Tyndall Air Force Base was was just wiped out by a hurricane last year. 
and the, some of these monies were for that too. Um, there are 125 projects, military projects, uh, that are now being canceled. Um, how this plays in is because of the, the political debate that goes back and forth. And um, there's going to be a lot of enmity in the Senate side. Uh, it's unclear still whether or not um, McConnell can get a, a, a bill through. Um, so we're going to see a lot of fighting. I think the next three weeks are going to be on the Senate side are going to be involved with that. On the House side, what's going to happen is they've passed their appropriations bills. And I think that they're they're now gunning for the administration. They're, go, they're going to be a, a series of oversight hearings um, on uh, gun laws. Um, they're going to be a series of oversight hearings on whether or not um, the, emol the emoluments uh, clause of the Constitution was violated when Vice President uh, Pence uh, stayed a three-hour drive away from meetings he had in Dublin. Um, and actually, they drove him to an airport and then flew him into the meetings, then flew him back at night. Um, hmm. And it's, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that this is, I mean, it's kind of um, stage play. It's theatrical, but it's, it's right. what's going to happen because it, people are upset about the fact that the administration, uh, the Trump actually, um, just goes about his business and his administration backfills. So the, hmm. the argument about whether Alabama um, was in the, uh, in the path of uh, the hurricane, it's just typical of this. And I think what people worry about, they worry less about him and more about the fact that he, he's able to cow an administration into, into validating things that are obviously lies. Right. Um, and so this is, this is what's going to happen. Um, besides that, I think the other, uh, what's going to happen is that there'll be a, a series of hearings as well as on the environment and climate uh, in partially in response to the seven hours that uh, CNN did on climate. Um, and it'll, it'll be an opportunity, I think, for the Democrats to kind of show their stuff again, um, as far as Congress is concerned. I don't think there's going to be substantive bills, but there will be substantive hearings. One hearing that's actually scheduled um, for early next week is by the Select Committee on the Climate Crisis. And what they've done is um, they're, ha they're holding a hearing on the impact of climate um, on manufacturing jobs. And... Uh, they'll have a number of witnesses, including labor from the Blue Green Alliance. The other actions that are going to be going on in, um, in Washington um, are circle around some of the regulations that, uh, uh, that have been released um, and are about in final form. The administration had released its um, replacement for the Clean Power Plan, and that's now in the courts. Um, there are at least seven suits that I counted um, the other day, uh, there'll be more. Um, and the uh, Trump administration has actually uh, filed a petition with the court asking it to expedite the, uh, the, the court proceedings because they want to get to the uh, Supreme Court before the election. Um, and this is going to be something that marks a number of the regulations that the administration is going to be putting out. Um, they, they want, their, they want the, the Supreme Court which in most cases is going to be the, the court of last, of last comment in, right. in most of these cases. Um, they would like to see these decisions done before the election or at least before um, a new president is inaugurated should a Democratic, uh, the Democratic candidate win. Once, that, once they're through the court system, they are in fact in force and they're a lot harder to get rid of. They, they can be gotten rid of, but they're, it, it, it'll be the difference between an executive order to stop something um, and then to replace it, but a more complicated 
uh, rule retraction process um, if the rule is actually being enforced. Uh, one of the rules that is being enforced that's been announced um, is on uh, incandescent light bulbs. And they, the, the administration changed the rule and um, is now allowing for significantly more um, less efficient bulbs that will be sold. And the, the cumulative, it, it's mind boggling. The, the estimate is that the rule will increase the electricity use in the United States by 80 billion kilowatt hours. It's B, billion kilowatt hours. And that's roughly equal uh, to the power needed to, uh, or the power needed by all the households in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Um, I mean, this is just, I mean, this is one of those things that it's, it's so wasted and, um, and it has a huge consumer impact. The estimates on this too are that consumers will be spending on average $100 more a year for electricity that, that doesn't need to be generated. I mean, right. if you just buy bulbs. Um, yep. And so this is something that the, the rule is in effect. It's also in the courts. Um, it seems like a huge backstep. It's so weird. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, and, you know, it is a huge backstep. And it's something that, you know, if you just let it go through, it isn't an issue. And if you, by doing this, you've just, you've created an issue where one shouldn't be created. And yeah. that's actually something that marks the administration, period. Um, yeah. One of the, I mean, the battle that's, another battle that's going now is over the cafe standards. Um, and this is going to get complicated because what's happening is that um, four auto companies at the state of California had reached an agreement um, on standards. The, the auto industry is concerned that they don't, there's no standard out there now. They, they've removed the Obama uh, standard, but there's, so far there's, there's nothing formally to replace it. Um, although one is being prepared that in fact freezes the efficiency standards at the 2020 levels. Well, the, the, most of the auto companies are prepared to go much further as far as their efficiency is concerned. Um, and the administration refuses to listen to the auto industry. So that's, I mean, so that, that's one set of conflicts that's, that's being created. Another set of conflict is that it's clear that Trump hates California. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's, there's any doubt about that. He hates California. He hates the California delegation of which Speaker Pelosi is one. Um, and so what, what's going to happen is that the federal government is now, the Trump administration is now going to pull the uh, waiver that California is entitled to have um, under the Clean Air Act to set a stricter standard, um, a stricter uh, fuel efficiency standard than the federal government. Mm -hmm. um, now, California is the only state that can do that, but there are other states, according to the, to the Clean Air Act and the waiver, um, other states can follow that stricter rule. And in fact, 13 states of the District of Columbia do in fact follow uh, the California rule. Um, so, but what's now happening is that the administration is now announced that they're, they're likely to pull the, the waiver. It's, it's, again, it's not official, but it's, it, it, it's, it's the worst kept secret in the world. Mm, okay. um, and now the administration is looking, they've asked the Justice Department uh, to investigate whether or not the four auto companies um, in California are in fact um, colluding to uh, price fix. Um, and, and so this could end up actually in a lawsuit, um, the United States government against the auto industry, okay? Um, 
and I mean, how they deal with California is going to be another issue. I said that's going to be they're going to pull they're going to pull the waiver, and California is going to go into court. So what now? What's happening is that the worst nightmare of the auto industry is coming to pass um, because the administration just they won't listen to the industry, and Trump has this 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 enmity towards California. Everything is going to be so tied up in the courts that the the auto companies are are going to be. Sitting in a market that is so uncertain, I mean, what standard do you build to? Um, and so what's going to happen is that they're going to have to make some kind of a decision. You can't just stop producing autos waiting for a rule to come out. And so, again, this is a situation where, I mean, the industry is perfectly content to meet the, the higher standard. What they looked for originally wasn't a reduction or a freezing in the auto efficiency standards. What they were looking for was more flexibility. Um, to meet the standard that had already been set. They've, I mean, they've invested billions of dollars into this. Um, and so now we have an industry that's going to be just sitting in an uncertain market. And, you know, private, the private market does not like uncertainty. I mean, look at the way the stock market has been going over the last uh, few months because of the tariff discussions. Um, the, the CAFE standard is such that even the, the, chamber, the United States Chamber of Commerce um, actually stood up against the Trump administration. They sent him a pretty strong letter saying, you know, this is, this is the wrong way to go about this, Mr. President. Um, mm -hmm. Again, he's not going to listen to them on that. No, because, no. I mean, because, because he wants to prove he's in charge. I mean, this is kind of like instead of Charles in charge, this is, this is Trump in charge. And right. so what we're creating is this, this horrible... Um, amount of uncertainty in private market, I mean, in, in the operation of the private market. Um, the auto standards aren't the only situation in which this is occurring. The administration has uh, put out a draft rule on methane emissions um, for oil and gas um, facilities and pipelines on federal lands. Again, this is a situation where industry was not complaining about the regulation. Um, mm -hmm. This is and the Trump administration is following suit um, and trying to erase everything that had an Obama stamp on it. And this is right. the rule. The rule that's being argued about is is was developed in the Obama era. Um, and so what we're seeing is we're seeing all these kinds of uh, they're, they're pejorative. They're personal attacks. They're not really they're not really involved in you know is this something that that we can we regulate and still have. Uh, industry health. And the fact of the matter is that in, in more than three or four cases, we can do that. But mm -hmm. the administration is going to make, I mean, it's going to make a mountain range out of a molehill. And in right. the process, it's going to unsettle um, a fair number of industries and tie up the courts to the point where trying to unwind all of this, should, it, should the administration's change in, in 20, by, through, by the 2020 election, are are going to have to untie so much um, across the courts, across administrative uh, hearings, across everything that it's going to take it's going to take two to three years uh, minimum to actually get us back to some kind of a situation where um, we're back on the track to to sensible regulation as far as climate's concerned. And it, if you hear kind of this edge in my voice, it's because it's really there. I mean, this is right. something where. Um, it's not necessary, um, mm -hmm. and he's making it so. Um, 
given that, I mean, whether you know the 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 Democrats um, are pretty well set on pushing the climate agenda, and I think that the seven hours of CNN um, town halls was right. was just the beginning. Although there, you know, it's uh, we're waiting to see who actually listened to seven hours. But I was impressed with the fact I, I didn't listen to all seven hours. I, I didn't listen to seven hours. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you work on this all day and it's, right. it's not exactly the the what I want to watch at night. Although, I, you know, I did catch going to the book. And I was fairly impressed. I mean, the, mm -hmm. they're, they're talking in depth. Um, and I, what I worry about in that kind of a case um, is they get into a bidding war with each other. Um, because, I mean, they, they want to be seen as the most environmental. Um, but one of the things that I, and something that I'm maybe uh, uh, writing on in the next couple of weeks, um, is that there's a fair amount of overlap between the, uh, the candidates as far as um, the time schedule is concerned and, and um, other, other initiatives that, that they would support. And I'm going to try to see if I can ferret out the seven, eight, nine areas where there's actual agreement um, and see if we can put that forward um, as, a, as a core. And I, I'm hoping that uh, listeners and readers will be interested in that um, mm -hmm. because it's something that, that there is agreement on. And in fact, a number of the new polls showed that um, the Republican youth um, are actually more in line with the Democratic youth as far as climate is concerned. And that's gonna make for an interesting um, debate, I think, uh, right through the 2020 elections. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the youth on the right and the youth on the left are any better talking to each other than, than the generation that's preceded them. Right. Um, but you've got to hope that that's going to come true. So I think that this is all going to kind of, this, it's going to be political theater between now and at least the end of the year. And I think the, the biggest thing to be worried about at the moment um, is whether or not the, the government stays open after uh, on, on October 1st. And I think that uh, uh, if it doesn't, then all bets are off. There's going to be a lot of trouble and a lot of pain um, caused because the politicians just can't agree with each other. So yeah, that, that's good. what's happening in Washington. Are you glad right. you asked? <laughs> things get out of hand so quickly in Washington that, you know, everything can look good all the way up to the 30th and right. then it all can fall apart in the next 24 hours. So I, you know, I won't, I won't hold my breath. Uh, you, you, you shouldn't, um, but <laughs> like you said, it, it, it'll be interesting. And, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, through, through my writing and through our uh, podcast and stuff, we can, we can help listeners kind of, um, understand what's going on and uh, mm -hmm. where it might all lead. Yes. Well, also, is there anything else that's on your desk that you're looking at for the next week? Actually, um, yeah, there are going to be a number of court cases um, other than ACE, uh, other than the uh, Affordable Clean Energy. And yeah. um, so I would like to talk about that and something that's consistent with what you'd raised uh, earlier in the in the podcast, that uh, there, there are a number of actually legal cases um, in which in Pakistan is one, for example, where courts are actually trying to uh, enforce their their version of what um, a clean power plan is, uh, okay. and they're, they're being brought by citizen lawsuits. Um, so, so I'm looking at that. Um, the other thing I'm I'm in the midst of is a, a series of articles on um, what it's going to take to erase uh, Trump's uh, climate legacy. Um, I spoke a little bit about it earlier, but. Um, I want people, I mean, I want people to understand um, that this is, that uh, a change in administrations is not going to 
um, become a, a rapid change in U.S. policy. That there's a lot of stuff that has to be again cleared out of the way. Um, and at some point, I hope that Congress is going to look actually at the uh, the legislation that was drafted in the 1970s and that needs to be updated as well. So um, look for that kind of series as to as to what a Democratic president. Um, is going to be facing should they win in 2020. Um, and I'm doing it under two scenarios, one with a split Congress and one with a Congress that um, a Democratic Congress and a Democratic White House, which would actually make things happen a whole lot faster. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Well, as always, Joel, it's great to have your insight into what's happening in, in Washington. So thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Of course. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Please tweet any questions or comments to hashtag ZeroNet50 and have a great day.